In this episode, we plow through some amazing new titles, from the next book from the Ministry of Trouble to a big twist at the end of Grendel, Kentucky. We are loving this avalanche of awesome indie stuff. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back, everyone. Hello, everybody. We have a huge week with a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. We're going to dive right in because <laughs> yeah. it's massive. So we're going to kick it off with a book that came out. And honestly, I have to say it's absolutely one of my favorite concepts, like sci-fi concepts that I've seen in a long time. It's so unique and it's weird and crazy. Um, I'm talking about From Boom. Uh, this is a book by Al Ewing with art by Simone DeMio. Uh, it is, we only find them when they're dead. Um, I, the title is amazing and opens up so many questions to begin with. And I love the main cover has a big, like B movie sci-fi kind of poster feel to it with like huge, the title in like huge font. Um, I didn't really know what to expect going into this book, um, based on that title alone. Uh, but I mean, when you read the book, the title itself makes sense and just the concept is crazy gonna have to spoil it a little bit in order to talk about but it's basically this group of various individuals we focus on one ship of a crew of four and from the get-go they're scavengers they're miners whatever you want to call them um but the thing that they're mining the thing that they're scavenging are these giant bodies celestial beings yeah these giant dead bodies of what they call quote-unquote gods um and it's just these giant creatures um and basically this wave of these scavenging ships come out and everybody lays claim to different parts of the body um and there's all this like political stuff tied around it like there's this group of enforcers that is there to make sure people don't like jump claims on things um, or try to like mine out something without making a claim to it. Um, there's corporate groups that lay claim to like, oh, we always have the heart. Like that's our right our and MO. stuff like that. And that like push away smaller miners. Um, and then there's like various areas that are considered like the primo areas, like the eyes and heart and probably the brain and stuff like that. There's like a black market um, for stuff. Yeah. And there's a black market. So there's all this like political intrigue, but it all centers around this concept of finding these giant celestial beings human they're humanoid um and then like ripping them apart selling them for selling meat their meat and, and their stuff. eye jelly and it's so weird oh it's so cool though it's such a cool concept and the art's amazing um and uh, honestly with like all the weirdness that Al Ewing's been putting into the super world, superhero world lately. Yeah. Like I'm not surprised that this book's coming out of him. Um cuz it's just it's such a cool concept and it's such a like weird twist on you know space miners and like the hardships of the space frontier and stuff like that isn't anything really new, but this idea of like there's some race of giant creatures that we call gods. And how do we deal with gods? We find dead ones and we sell them off for parts. For for parts. It's so weird. Yeah. I love it though. It's really cool. It's cool. It's it's a great concept. It's a refreshing new enough concept coming out of sci-fi when there's so much sci-fi. Um 
this one just feels really refreshing and like i said the very art different the art is fun the crew feels very fun and there's enough like kind of politics and intrigue to take it beyond just that like big flashy space opera sci-fi kind of feel um and make it feel a little bit more grounded and a little bit more approachable and it it does make itself feel like it takes itself seriously so it doesn't feel goofy like it's not stormship troopersy but yeah. like yeah, yeah but at the same time it doesn't feel like it takes itself so seriously that it's a joke yeah exactly so it doesn't take line. itself so seriously that it's boring either you know what i mean like it's exactly. not like too hard sci-fi where it's like here's all the details of how space travel works and stuff like right. that you know what i mean right but definitely worth picking up i think this is one of my favorite books that I've read this year. It's going to um, be a biggie. I it's think. going to be huge and it's going to be exciting and it's got a lot of potential for adaptations and oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Big time. And just like, it's got a lot of potential to be like this big continuing saga. If Al Ewing wants to keep it going. Um, really cool. Really, really cool book. Definitely worth your time. Agreed. Uh, so my first one that I want to talk about this week you guys know how much I love Strayed, how I love the kitty-oriented books. Well, a new book has come out from Image by Emma Kubert um, called Inkblot. And what's super cool about this is Chris said that it was really refreshing to have like a new take on the sci-fi genre. This one kind of goes head first and is like, let's go ahead and establish a very... Norse mythology-esque, it's not Norse, but it kind of has that vibe, that like world tree-esque like feel to it. A whole like full fairy tale, mythical, fantasy type of world and universe. And then let's focus on one very specific person who doesn't really interact with anything except for books in a library. And then all of a sudden there's a magical cat that says nothing but Mao, that mysteriously appears out of nothingness and starts causing calamity for this one person and taking them on misadventures. Oh, jeez. It's adorable. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It drops you right into the middle of this lore that you're immediately engulfed in. The art is beautiful by uh, Rusty Glad. It's a great name. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's fun and it's cute and it's kind of carefree and it's, mythologically feeling and twinged and it's I don't know I just really enjoyed it like it's nice to get into a fantasy book there's been some really great fantasy tales lately that are just taking really creative spins on the standard stuff and being like no screw that we're gonna make our own fantasy world and just yeah. go off and I love that I think that's so nice I love when it's like I'm gonna make a whole mythos and you're just gonna deal with it and you're gonna love it because it's something new and they're right. I do love it because it's something new. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But it's it's super cute. Like I the cat is adorable and just literally comes out of nothingness and is just says nothing but Mao and opens up world portals and gets into like trouble with things and it's potentially made of ink and his name is Inkblot now. I don't know. It's so cute. That's awesome. That's a that's how I feel about Kanto. Yes. Like it's just nice to have very approachable, kind of fun fantasy books that aren't trying too hard to be like dark and gritty. Don't get yeah. me wrong, I love the dark and gritty. Like Last God is one of my current favorites, but you know, it's it's nice to have some really refreshing, approachable it's, uh, yeah, exactly. Fantasy stuff. It feels like if Hermione had to go chase Crookshanks through dimensions. 
<laughs> like I'd watch that. Total yeah, bookworm yeah. doesn't want doesn't really leave the out like doesn't leave their hobble and it's like go chase this cat across a bunch of different worldscapes that you have no idea what you're doing. It's great. I love it. I'm really nice. here for it. Um from DC we've got a new black label magazine size uh mini series uh yes. this time focused on your boy John Constantine. I love you John. Uh Hellblazer Rise and Fall written by Tom Taylor with art by Derek Robertson. Um it's cool. It's a really cool uh John Constantine story. It feels gritty enough to kind of satisfy the people that liked like the movie and the TV show, John Constantine, but also still kind of steeped in the whimsy enough for the comic books. We don't see any, you know, sign of any of the other sort of like super people um, in this particular one. It's mainly just John Constantine interacting with a handful of detectives. There's some sort of like beyond the grave kind of thing coming up, possibly angels. We do meet a certain big, important supernatural per person um True. but this one feels a little bit more steeped in reality it's not going to be you know john constantine running around with just like dark it's a little bit more of a traditional constantine story yeah um and i dig it i i like i like the art Derek robertson is of course the guy who did the art for the boys and trans metropolitan nice. so it's got that kind of like grit to it yeah um i kind of like transgressional feel about it uh stuff looks dirty john looks <laughs> dirty um and tom taylor does a really good job capturing john's charm and charisma while also giving him enough sleaze to feel like oh you're untrustworthy john stay back you it's know it's true i'm currently reading the simon spurrier hellblazer run um, that is ending in November. And honestly, I'm devastated because that book has been one of my favorites that I've been reading out of literally everything that I read. And when I say I read too many comics, I'm not kidding. You guys hear how all these books that we read. So to say that Hellblazer has been one of my favorites has been incredibly impactful. And I'm very sad that it's ending. I liked this take. I liked Tom Taylor's take on John Constantine. Um, but it is a little bit of a different vibe than the mm. Simon Spurrier. It's not, I'm not sure that I would ever believe that a Simon Spurrier, John Constantine would self narrate about himself because <laughs> I feel like the Simon Spurrier, uh, John Constantine hates himself so much that it wouldn't be worth the time, <laughs> which gives, gives John his own level of charm. Um, this one does feel a little bit more flirty, a little bit more um, playful mm -hmm. than I think the the current Hellblazer run John Constantine has. And I, I don't think that either one is better than the other. Of course, I have a special softness in my heart for the Simon Spurrier one because I love that run so much. But um, I think Tom does a really good job with depicting John and, and introducing characters that interact well with John. Um, and I think the, the story is interesting. It is interesting to kind of see a story revolving around John himself because the Hellblazer feels much more like, um, almost like when you're reading a, um, Sherlock Holmes type book mm. where the stories are related to things exterior to John and John goes in and solves problems yeah, and helps with situations because he has that 
natural gift for magic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this one actually revolves around John and his life and things that he's done is an interesting differentiation between the yeah. two types of writing. So it's true. Yeah. And, you know, Simon Spurrier definitely has a very defined voice. Like the stuff I've read from him, I'm like, oh, yep, that's a Spurrier book. Like he's so good. He's a good writer. He's a very good writer, but, you know, you can tell Tom Taylor tends to be a little bit more varied and he does a good job. I mean, in deceased and things I've read recently from him, uh, you know, he does a very good job at identifying with the individual characters. Yeah. Adapting to what he adapts to the characters more than adapts the characters to his own voice. Agreed. And that's, you know, there's, there's merit in both. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from. This is a very playful John Constantine. Yeah. I love that we got to see little boy John. Oh, he's so cute. Little boy John's adorable. He's so cute. I love cute. him. Um, but it's a cool book. It felt very, um, you know, like I said, it felt very like old school Hellblazer or very like movie or, you know, TV Constantine. I can see that. Um, it did also feel a bit preacher to me like i got some oh, like yeah, okay. slight preacher vibes see that and i, I don't know it, i like this one because it, it did feel very old school vertigo like yeah old school vertigo and i think that's that's really cool i think that's probably what they're going for with it's this a one cool aesthetic um but yeah it definitely would appeal to anybody that really likes that more traditional constantine vibe i think right. this would definitely appeal to them so very cool and it's another magazine size thing which is awesome Can't go wrong I, with those. I love those so much uh, next one up is Spy Island, a Bermuda Triangle mystery. Um, for those of you who read the Maneater series by Chelsea Kane, part of the Ministry of Trouble group, her crew, um, this is the next one in the Ministry of Trouble group nice. section. Yeah. Um, it is awesome. I'm so here <laughs> for it. It's so different from Maneater. It's literally about a lady spy living on an island filled with other spies. They're all from different organizations and they're all just hanging out. And doing spy stuff and killing people. And it's it's so, like, irreverent and, like, the non-glamorous side of spy work. Like, you always see the MI6 and it's like, oh, James Bond is so, you know, dashing and Doody-doo. he's in these lavish places. Yeah. And, like, the whole, like, 90% of this book is talking about how much they have to go to fundraisers to smooth with people and get information and how much she hates it. she's like no one tells you as you get warned she's like i'm fine smelling like sea sludge right now because it just killed a dude in the ocean but why do i now have to go attend another flipping fundraiser to try and get information all we do is fundraise anymore and Mm -hmm. it's it's just it's interesting and it's irreverent and it's you know the voicing is very much chelsea kane she is you know i hate to say it but like Mockingbird and Maneater and this one, they all kind of have that same vibe, which I love that vibe. So I'm here for that vibe. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's fun and it's silly and it doesn't take itself seriously. And it's, it's kind of like if Mockingbird had gotten into, you know, the sassy spy side of the world instead of working for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. It, mm-hmm. It's fun. It's cool. It's fun. I, I've said on the podcast before, and I'll say it again now. I like when you can kind of look at a writer and their history working for like the big two, you know what I mean? Working for Marvel and DC. And then they come out with like a creator own thing and you kind of get the vibe like 
think they had this idea while they were working on oh, it. Oh, she totally wanted you know to do I mean? this for Bobby. Yeah. 100% it that's feels like That's the, thing. Like that's Bobby the vibe I get out of this <laughs> totally. one is that it's like she was riding Mockingbird and was like, uh, and kind of like developing this idea off of that. Um, I love that. I love when you kind of see them be like, this would be a good idea. I probably can't make it fly with this character, but I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to ship it. it over to my own creator own thing and run with that. Yeah. You know definitely. what I mean? Like That's I, exactly what it feels like. It very much, it, it has a very similar voice to the way that she wrote Bobby. And yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I'm here for it. It's, it's really funny too. Like, there's a section in the book where she ends up, the main character ends up getting canoodly with Ooh. the MI6 guy who's on the island as well. Mm-hmm. They kind of hate each other, but also they kind of do naughty stuff just because there's not a whole lot else to do. Um, but there's literally a page where w- they would normally be like graphic nudity. And instead, yeah. it literally just has the the word sex in giant letters. <laughs> It it's so funny. I, oh, love I love how that. she does stuff like yeah. that. And like there's like a tourist ad that looks like it came out of a magazine. Like it's not like love, artistically yeah. drawn. It's actually like photography and like the way they used to do with man eaters. Yeah, so I, it's I hope fun. she continues that because I always loved seeing those from man eaters when it like they had the one that looked like the little golden book and they yes. had the one that looked like it was like a mailer. You know what I mean? Exactly. And like a tourism brochure and stuff like that. I love those. It was super so I hope fun. she keeps that going. Me too. So, next one I want to talk about, and I need to have a conversation with the people over at AWA. Uh-oh. Um, which is, like, artist writers and artisans, I think is what I it is. I think so. Because um, we talked about a couple on here, I think, and I, I've read a few, uh, like, Year Zero uh, and the one I'm about to talk about. And there was one, uh, I thought there was one a while back. I can't think of them right yeah, now but another one. I don't um, it was, though. they keep hitting me with these books that like i go in expecting one thing and i come <laughs> out getting something else and really digging it yeah um because year zero i went in i was like oh it's gonna be a zombie story but it's gonna be like you know the first year it's gonna right be cool um and that's ultimately what it was but it was more about the people and it great. felt very trees and yeah. it was really, really cool. But we're not here to talk about year zero because we've already talked about it. Um, Grindle, Kentucky. <laughs> this book. By Jeff McComsey and Tommy Lee Edwards. So it's a four issue mini. It says number one of four right up front. Um, and for the most part, this book is entirely just it's very like Sons of Anarchy. It's very like motorcycle gang and like criminals on the fringe this girl is like the leader of a motorcycle gang and her papa dies in grindle kentucky and she needs to go to his funeral and they're all very welcoming and they're like good to have you back darling and And he dealt weed yeah and he dealt weed and her brother now deals weed he's the top weed dealer in grindle kentucky and all this stuff and when we see her it's like hey She's like, listen here, other lady in my motorcycle gang, you might go do this thing, but damn it, I don't do crimes like that. You can go do it with somebody else. And then they get into a fight, and then her brother's like, it's me, Papa died. And she's like, oh, no, Daddy died. And she goes back to Grindle, Kentucky. And then this they like. a very accurate depiction of this book. Yeah, right? Anyway. Um, <laughs> and like I said, I'm here for that. And then the end happens. 
and your brain explodes. And introduces an entire new element to this. Like, whoop, here. And it instantly changes the genre of the yeah, book. Yeah, it like drastically changes the genre <laughs> and the tone of the book. And I'm so excited for the next three issues. Right. Like, I just want to know where it goes. I want to know what it is that we see. I want to know why it's there. What's going on? Where is Grindel? Oh, shit. It's Grindel. Is it? Is Beowulf somehow involved? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I dig it. I really, really do. I kind of like, I don't know. I, I These AWEA things, they always seemed so edgy. Like they're so like, I was really excited when I heard about AWA starting because it felt like this really cool, like coalition of artists and writers doing stuff that, you know, no rules, no bounds. They just want to make the stuff that they want to make. Um, and then like everything that started coming out just felt so edgelord and looked so edgelord and it was like too much trying to look too hard. I don't know. And they've all apparently been good. I passed on a lot of these and have heard good things about like the resistance and Archangel and hotel. Like I have heard good things about those and I'm bummed that I passed on them and I haven't gone back to look at those, but the ones that I have picked up, I've been very excited about and this one I'm very excited about. It's it's just it's just a cool book. It's got edge to it and it's got you know you can tell that the writer and artist are at least familiar with the like country not always up on the other side of the law, motorcycle gang, tattoos everywhere, drinking whiskey in an Elks Lodge kind of <laughs> kind of life. Like they get that down it feels like my like what i have experienced of that which isn't much but it it feels like that it feels natural and organic it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard no and the characters are likable and that's what i like is sometimes you'll make something like this with these types of characters and everyone's just a total dick yeah but you know what when you're steeped in that and you're a part of that you're not a dick to each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like when you're in a motorcycle gang, you're like a fam and we're a fam and you know, we might fight because we're all aggro and drunk, but like, we're not going to be dickheads to each other because that's my, that's my brother right there. And you know, I love things like that, that show that you don't have to be like an angelic suburban. Yeah. You don't have to be, yeah. An angelic suburban person or a superhero or like working one-on-one with the government to stop terrorists in order to be kind of just a decent person. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And so on top of that, likable characters, a likable setting, likable kind of, and relatable, you know, narrative thrust. Then we have just this total, like out of nowhere thing at the end. That's like what, who, why, what's going on and it's crazy um i highly recommend it i i I think if you like things about bikers or you like kind of actiony things or you like horror things not to spoil too much um this is definitely a book worth checking out and the art was very gritty and very like shadowy and shady i i mean honestly like this one gives me something is killing the children vibes and that's a a book that's on everybody's lips right now um, that a lot of people missed and if you were listening to cover b you wouldn't have missed it That's so right. shame on you i'm just saying all you people out there who are like i wish i had gotten the first few issues and now they're like 40 dollars or more we told you back we in the day <laughs> we let you know that you should get this book um 
you know, and quick pat on the back. Yeah, got it. Uh, but this one does give me those vibes, and this could be another one that gets optioned, gets picked up. I could see it. You know, gets streamlined into HBO Max or Netflix, and then suddenly everyone's going to be looking for this book. So um, highly, highly recommend this one. If, you're, if your shop has it, definitely pick it up. It's really cool. This was such a cool week. I had yeah. so many good things this week. So many books. I know I said this last week, but like, it's nice to have a week where you have stuff that you're like, I'm really excited to talk about this with people and not just be like, I don't know. I guess this is on number one, <laughs> you know, next on the list. I, oh, this book was a lot. Um, this one is called lonely receiver. It's by Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman. And this book is a lot. Um, it, yeah, so Ooh, it's it's an emotional it, minefield. I'm going to let you do most of the talking. I also read this book. I didn't it hit different for me. Yeah. And I think that's because of things in your own personal life. Yeah. Um, It definitely hit different for me. I like how disjunct it was. I will say that's that. That's true. I liked that the the dialogue, I think, was kept purposely very random and sporadic and disjunct in certain places to fit the tone of the emotion that these people are going through. And I dig that. Yeah. Because sometimes, especially in like heated relationship-based emotional things, right. I feel like dialogue can be too prepared. And for anyone that's been in a fight with a significant other or anyone who's been in a hard breakup or like a cheating scenario or something like that, it's not prepared no it's, it's you know you'll have a thought and you're like that's a good point and you'll say it but it's hard to get the words into Out like the way you want them yeah to make your point but your point's right but you're trying to like construct this argument as time goes yeah um and i like that i dig that but like i said it hit different i think for me i thought it was a good mm -hmm. book and i like the concepts that it lays out yeah um but i think it definitely hit different for me than it hit for you yes um the story is about a woman who gets out of a bad relationship who then effectively gets in a relationship with her phone. Um, in this universe, your phone can be turned into your perfect companion. Um, you basically answer some questions, fill out a profile. It, it constructs an AI humanoid person that is your partner. That is exactly what you want. And it's supposed to be designed just for you and live the way that you want it to live in your life and you coexist and that's just how it is. And, and you're basically built for one another. It's like dating Siri. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's also sort of implanted in your, in your eye. Like it's a part of you. You're literally physically connected. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's a lot. Um, from an emotional standpoint in that I have connections to people I love who have gone through very turbulent emotional relationship stuff and face consistent turbulent emotional relationship stuff. And it's interesting because we as readers are almost always are put into a position in which the lead character is the person that we're supposed to be relating to. We're supposed to be on their side. We're supposed to believe them and agree with them and they are in the right and that's just the perspective we're given because we that that's typically how you know narrative stories are made and i i didn't feel like this was the case and again it might have just been because of how it hit with me but reading this i felt like the main character was was wrong 
She was clingy. She was demanding. She was overbearing. She was, you know, possessive and jealous and paranoid and not a good partner. She's a bad partner. So much so that her relationship with her phone, with this AI being that was constructed to be with her, her relationship fell apart. She's such a bad partner that she couldn't keep it together with something literally built for her. Yeah. And I, I like um I like the subtleties of all that, right? Because it's like the message seems to be building towards if you expect perfection and you expect or if you expect like ultimate like subjugation effectively, like someone to just do to have dominion and- over someone, not even yep. dominance, because hey, some people. Um, but <laughs> you know, to have ultimate dominion, like full reign over the person, and they're gonna fit perfectly into every expectation that you have. Yeah. Uh, it's not gonna happen. And no. I love the subtleties of how set up it is with like the questions, like you mentioned, there's a questionnaire basically when you're building this perfect person. And she builds this perfect person coming out of a you know hard breakup with a real person yep and she's like time to date my phone as girls do and (laughs) as is common um and you know these questions aren't like how tall you want me what build do you want you know she answers a few physical questions and then it's like these weird like ultra vague poetic questions yep and it's this idea of like First of all, it's this idea where, like, the superficial doesn't build a relationship. Preach cool. like it. Um, and then it's also this idea of, like, your answers are as vague and poetic as my questions. Because that's what it is meeting somebody and learning somebody. It's right. this tangled web of subtleties and body motions and, you know, likes and dislikes and habits and tics and understanding and and the different ways you communicate it's more than just a questionnaire it's reading between these lines yep and here this phone is giving out all these lines and she's trying to read between the lines but in her giving she's giving back even more lines that the phone then has to read between yep and it's just like building a relationship with somebody there's a lot of lines to read between and a lot of communication to get through it also kind of you know, I don't know if this is what Zach Thompson was going for, but it also has this weird kind of like, you know, communication is key. And if she had spoken more clearly and maybe less vague when developing this person, maybe it would have been different. I don't know. But well, and there's also something to that that is so important is that people are always like, oh, communication is key. Communication is key, but it is not the end all be all understanding is key you can communicate all day every day but if your partner doesn't know what you're saying or Mm -hmm. doesn't grasp what you're trying to say or Mm -hmm. doesn't speak the same language then you're you're Mm -hmm. wasting breath and that's kind of what this feels like it's one of those like oh i left so many signs like you know i don't want this you know i don't want that you know i don't want this but you're not articulating your needs and if you're not going to articulate your needs then those needs aren't going to be met like there's an instance in the book where she's like, did you do this? And she's like, would it be a problem if I did this? Like there's yeah. an articulation of you never told me you don't want that. You just assumed 
I wouldn't be that to you. Yeah. And and that's not that's not how relationships work, whether it's between you and a human being or you and your phone. <laughs> yeah. So I I thought this book was really good. I thought it was really interesting. I just it did if you tend to have friends or family or loved ones that you have seen struggle in relationships and you've seen both sides like this is something too like I come from a divorce a set of divorced parents and so I obviously saw both sides and love both sides and understand where both sides were coming from on every issue Mm -hmm. right and so it's so interesting to me coming into a narrative that typically almost all narratives we are presented with the main character is the person you are supposed to relate to. But I I see both sides. I see the flaws in the main character. Yeah. And I see where she's right and I see where she's wrong. And yep. the same with the partner. I see where they're right and I see where they're wrong. And so it just, it's very accurate. The things, the dialogue and the way people speak in this book, it's it's very real. Yeah. And so you have to, if, if you have that experience, whether you yourself have been through a lot of turmoil or the people you love have been through a lot of turmoil, you have to be emotionally prepared to deal with that realness because it can, it can throw you off guard. I felt genuinely like disheveled after reading this book because I was like, Ooh, that hit close. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh man, I've heard people say those words before and you're a little overwhelmed by it. Yeah. I liked, uh, I think Zach Thompson did a good job of, like you said, like really pushing the understanding angle and really pushing that like things were being said and it was up to like the other person to try to decipher it. Right. And, you know, it, we're as the reader, we're also trying to decipher it and like trying to figure out like who's wrong and who's right and trying to see like some people having outbursts. But like, was it a justified outburst? And then stuff flashes to something different and then they're OK and then they're not OK. And it's all this stuff. Yep. Like, I, I think it really feels like watching like a very organic bad breakup and it's, it's rough, but it it has a lot of poignancy to it. You know what I mean? It's not just like a torture porn kind of thing. <laughs> like it has, exactly. it has poignancy to it and it has like a lot that I think they're trying to get out there about like learning about what makes or breaks a good like connection, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So to close, uh, there were two other books. We just don't have a ton to say about them, but they were both pretty cool. Uh, Black Widow number one, new number one from Black Widow uh, is out. So if you're a fan of Black Widow, check that out. Uh, Marvel Zombies Resurrection has also finally officially started. We had the zero literally months ago, maybe even close (laughs) to a year ago. Um, And now the number one is out. It's looking like it's going to be another Elseworlds kind of thing got some cool zombie action and is giving a little bit more lore to the marvel zombies than we've really seen that's cool um so it could be interessante um they were both good they're worth checking out just don't have a much much to say say. aside from if you wanted us to break down like every story element which we're not gonna if you like Billy thompson you'll like black widow yeah Yeah. if you like zombies you'll like marvel zombies (laughs) anyway uh that's gonna do it for us i know we were kind of quick on all these things but we had a lot that we wanted to say about them um, and we just kind of wanted to get it out really, really quickly. Highly recommend <laughs> all of these. Uh, they're very, very good. This was a very exciting week for very books. Very good week of comics. Very cool stuff coming out. 
Uh, I hope to see all of these, aside from Grendel, obviously, because it's a four issue mini, uh, but I hope to see all of these continue and keep going and pick up steam. Absolutely. So. If you want more Cover B, you can go to our website, coverbpodcast.com. We've got past issues as well as other issues like our real extras, movie reviews, powered gaming, gaming reviews, key issues where we just sort of bitch about stuff. It's good. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Cover B Podcast. There's news and memes and funny things and comics and fan art and all sorts of cool stuff. So definitely come and check us out there. Quick thing to close. Um, I don't know if you've seen it in the news, um, but I just want to get it out there. I know we joke about Rob Liefeld a lot on this show, and it is what it is. I mean, he's a part of the comic industry, and he's a name in the comic industry, and he does deserve respect, and I do respect Rob Liefeld and what he's done. Um and I honestly support him in what he's going through right now. Um, not cool for somebody to say they wish Rob Liefeld died. Um, that's really messed up. I forgot who it was. That's not admittedly. Cool at all. Um, but yeah, some dude posted a tweet that was like, "People I wish died instead of Chad- Chadwick Boseman." Oh. Rob Liefeld. Oh, not everything cool. about that is horrible. Not cool at all. You should never do that. No. Uh, you should never wish death upon anybody. You That's should never awful. wish disease or hardships upon everybody. And we here at Cover B, yes, Rob, we do make jokes about you, and I hope you understand that it's mainly in jest. Um, we tease. But I do support you and your family in what you're going through. That's really messed up, and nobody should ever do that. No. Um, so Jack. hashtag support for Rob. Um yeah, I mean, I hope homeboy that made that tweet gets canceled on everything. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. You know, I I hope he gets torn down because you should never wish that upon anybody. No. Anyway, on that note, uh, we're going to close it up. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Cover B Podcast. And we will catch you next week for more episodes of, of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.